Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and welcome to a special breaking news edition of Radio Brews News. That's a fairly grandiose name for what are episodes in which we dig deeper into stories that are a little more timely than our regular Brews News Week and Beer as a Conversations allow. This episode features a chat with Richard Kelsey from Beer Cartel, in which we take a deeper dive into the 2018 Australian Craft Beer Survey that was released tonight. In an industry that is starved of information about itself and its consumers, the Beer Cartel Survey has become one of the most highly referenced information sources amongst the industry and in the media. Given its relevance, we wanted to dive deeper into some of the results, learn how they were obtained, and discuss what they mean. And it's an interesting chat. Enjoy the conversation. Richard Kelsey, welcome to Radio Brews News. Thanks, great to be here. It's an opportunity once a year that we get to, to chat with the beer cartel guys about the, um, the Australian Craft Beer Survey. We, we have just seen, uh, as this podcast goes out, um, the 2018 Australian Craft Beer Survey results have uh, been announced. You guys have been live on Facebook talking a little bit about it, so we wanted to dig a little bit deeper um, and answer some of our questions. But let's start with uh, the sort of numbers behind the numbers. How many people responded to the survey this year? Yeah, sure. So we had um, just over 18,000 take part in the survey. So uh, the very first year we did it, 2016, I think it was about 6,500. Last year we were at over 17,000. And yeah, so we've increased it again by another 1,000 odd to, to hit the 18,000 plus number. And where did all of those numbers come from? I know that you know we pushed it uh, through um, Brews News and had a uh, an ad on site. Crafty Pint pushed it, um, Beer and Brewer uh, pushed it, but then also most breweries um, pushed it out through their emails. Do you have any background about you know what percentage came through um, you know your mailing list or individual breweries and and such, so we know what sort of people completed it? Yeah, sure. So there was about um, 250-odd places that sort of gave it a push. Um, there wouldn't have been one single place that, that would have accounted for over 5% of the um, surveys that complete. So that one of the great things about that is that it is such a broad range of, of, of people that are really giving it a promotion. So it's things from beer, news sites like yourselves, um, you've got beer festivals, breweries, bars, um, and then we also actually incentivise people to, to, to share it amongst their, their family and friends as well. Um, so they then went into the draw to, to, to win some craft beer, just as a, a thanks for doing that. So it, it really has been very, very broad as far as the, the, the base that it, it's gone out to. But I guess when you say it's a broad base, it's a broad base within... Um, the subset of craft beer drinkers that are motivated to respond to the survey. It, I mean, how, how relevant are these results, um, both in the craft beer industry and in, in the broader um, beer industry? I think they're, they're pretty damn accurate. So one of the, the big things that we did is, is because people overall don't really like doing surveys, you need, need to have some sort of great incentive to, to actually get them motivated to take part. So 
each year what we do is we offer a prize of, of $500 to spend on craft beer. Um, and I think that's pretty appealing. And at the end of the day, that the survey that we put out each year, we, we try to make it as easy to complete as possible. So it takes about five or six minutes to complete. Um, and people actually love talking about beer. Um, and so we actually get feedback saying that that was a fun survey to complete. So it's not like your arduous um, surveys that, that are done on political polls and things like that. It's actually something that people really want to give their opinion on. But at the same time, it's people, I, I guess craft beer drinkers so you're not going to get uh you know people who probably aren't deeply enmeshed in craft beer uh voting on it do you think um to an extent i mean like i say there is that prize so i think that does appeal to anyone that drinks beer really um but yeah our focus each year is always on craft beer drinkers and i think we do have a pretty good representation across the board uh, Richard, just in terms of, um, just before we get off the, the source of people voting, because um, I know the cynics out there will sort of say, oh, if you vote through you know, a certain, you know, say a brewery's link or whatever uh, versus, a, uh, say, you know, the direct link, it, it doesn't yep. influence the, the, um, the numbers or the figures or anything in any way, does it? It's, 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 it's just uh, the portal through which somebody's votes or, or, or um, you know, survey is, is directed. If 5% of the people, for example, did their survey through Australian Brews News, that doesn't influence um, our ranking or whatever in, in, in the, the blog section? No, no. There's, um, so there's nothing that's kind of, uh, I guess, done to, to incentivise or, or, or to, to boost up anyone's numbers. It's purely, um, this is a survey, you can put it out to your database and if people complete it, then then that's all good. But at the end of the day, we, we look at everything as a whole rather than um, individual kind of, uh, so who came from wherever they came from. What we do do, though, is, um, so our whole aim with this, the, the Australian Craft Beer Survey is actually to give back to the industry, and it's to provide insights for breweries that um, if they didn't actually have the survey, that they wouldn't actually be able to, to get otherwise. Um, and the reason we do that is, so both myself and Jeff, my business partner, uh, we actually came from a market research background and we knew that breweries a lot of the time are just walking in the dark. They've, they've got no idea that of what's actually going on um, and any data that they can get their hands on that, that they absolutely love because it then allows them to, to help um, get insights on, on business, de- business decisions that they need to make. So what we do is we say, okay, if you put this out to your database um, and there happens to be more than 50 people that um, complete the survey, we can actually look at how your database um, differs from the overall Australian craft beer drinker. And that, that's just something for them, to, to a benefit for them, so that they've got a bit more insight of, how their customer differs from the, the average Australian craft beer drinker. And and that is where one of the really interesting things um, that come out of this are you provide, you know, if people have clicked on a particular brewery's link and you can track where the survey respondent came from, you can compile lists that's um, relevant to that brewery. So that's some really in- interesting insight into um, for a, a brewery as they compare to the rest of the survey respondents. But I guess what does this tell 
brewers in an increasingly crowded marketplace where brewers are pretty much competing to some extent for the same customers. Um, what does that tell them about the broader beer industry, which is where we really need to be expanding craft beer into if we are going to see those slice of the, the, the share of the pie grow? One of the things that they do get is, is data on, on what their customer looks like. And then the other thing is, is which is what's part of the, the Australian craft beer survey generally, is, is just data on what the market looks like. Um, it is totally focused on those people that are already engaged in the market. So it's not then looking at how do we get new people into the market. So it's just looking at what are the trends and the behaviours and, and what people are doing from a consumer perspective in the craft beer market generally. Um, and from a sort of research perspective, it, it's much harder to, um, I guess, understand how to get new people into to the market. Um, that's when it sort of goes away from looking at, at numbers to actually when you need to have conversations with people and, and say, tell me about the reasons why you, you do, you drink beer or drink another drink, whatever it may be, wine, uh, RTD, spirits, um, and, and kind of learning about things that might then get them interested in, in craft beer, but that's kind of beyond the scope of, of what we try to do with the survey. Well, let's uh, have a look at the results. And uh, now we might just sort of go through in the order that they've, they've been reported on, uh, Rich. Um, Spotlight and independence. I have to say, given the background to the survey results, I was a little bit surprised that there was only 33% independence, uh, you know, awareness of the independence logo. Yeah, I mean, uh, and the scheme of things, I actually think that's pretty good. So the, the logo was launched in, in May 2018, so it's only been around um, five or so months. Um, and for a third of people to, to be aware of that, so that, that these aren't people that are totally wholeheartedly enmeshed in, in craft beer and they're not thinking about craft beer every single day or anything like that. So to, to have 33% awareness, I think, is a, a reasonable starting point. And I think as um, we start seeing more and more um, bottles and, and, and bars that, that start displaying that independence logo, then I think that's only going to go higher. From the breweries that were incentivising people or involved in uh, letting people know. Do you know if many came through the little creatures, the uh, four pines, the the, the ferals uh, from, from their links? Um, I haven't uh, gone into the depth of trying to work out how many from each one yet. Um, I, I guess it's from, from Big Bear, it's definitely something that, that they will be um, thinking about how to, to sort of, uh, get around and and um, what they're going to do there. Um, yeah, and the the overall sort of Australian craft beer drinker, um, similar to say the US, that they really do want to support independent um, craft breweries, and, and it's I think one of those things you, with an independent craft brewery, you kind of get to see the people behind the the brewery. Um, you get to hear about the the stories, and, and it's something that you can actually. I guess um, physically see and, and, and kind of fall in love with, whereas um, a, a brewery that or a brand that that's, um, hasn't really got the, the sort of soul behind it, it, that it's much harder to sort of connect with. Um, and, and it's part of the reason why people actually moved to craft beer in, in the first place is they, they wanted 
move away from the mainstream and kind of stand out and, and they came from it um, because they wanted to, to taste the amazing beers, to learn about the amazing beers, to talk to the people that sort of got them interested in beer and go from there. So, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see sort of how the market develops over the next few years, um, both from the independent point of view, but also from those that operate in the craft beer space that aren't independent as well. But do you think um, with you know, well over half of the respondents saying that it had at best a medium influence, that that's a cause for concern for small independent brewers? I think that's a positive for, for small independent brewers. So um, as long as it has some kind of influence and influence the most, it was above a small influence, then I, I think you, you, do, you will see people trending towards um, trying to buy independent craft beer in, in favour and, and it also reflects that the um, results that we put out last year as well so um, uh, just the same people did want to support independent Australian craft beer brewers and so at the time we actually asked them about um, a, a craft beer seal um, which hadn't even come into the US or UK markets when we actually launched the survey last year. Um, but as the survey was launched, um, I think it was a couple of weeks later, the, the US Craft Brewers Association, they, they brought out their independent seal and then the, the UK followed. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think it is something that, that definitely helps people identify with um, who they are drinking from and knowing that there is um, that independent um, ownership to, to the brewery. I wonder too whether um, there's a link between uh, the desire to support independence and and cost uh, or how much pe- people are prepared to pay for beer. Um, and I guess the direct um, comparison would be to look at, say, the US market where, let's say, for example, uh, it wasn't too long ago that for six ninety nine you could get a six-pack of Budweiser or whatever it might be. Mm. For seven or eight ninety nine, you could get a six pack of Lagunitas when when Lagunitas was was still independent, um, and that's that's just that's just one example. Whereas over here, your fourteen fifteen dollar six pack of VB doesn't directly compare with a twenty six or twenty seven dollar six pack of you know independent IPA. To, to, to use a, a very similar example, so independence works up to a point. You can sort of say, you know what, for a dollar extra, I'll go independent. Um, it's a much easier call than saying, geez, ten bucks um, a six pack or yeah. thirty bucks, forty bucks a slab. It, it, you know, when money talks, bullshit walks. So it'd yep. be, I'd be interested to sort of see, um, you know, <laughs> to get into the soul of the of the surveyor uh, and to sort of say, yeah, look, at the end of the day, how much does 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 money influence your love of independence? Yeah, no, that's a um, it's an interesting thought. I mean, when we're looking at sort of independent versus non-independent here, it's pretty hard to compare like your VB against a craft beer, um, largely because of the way that um, the beer is taxed in Australia. So it's taxed based on, on the the average alcohol in a beer, and typically craft beer is always a higher ABV product. So there, there's always going to be a much bigger discrepancy between those um i think that the sort of comparison is kind of looking at at say your james squires your little creatures versus the average craft beer um and yeah there, there definitely is a discrepancy there um in in pricing um 
And yeah, from my time and research, I know that people will often say that they'll support one thing, but then if, if there is that the price difference is, is so great, then they will um, still be willing to actually support that, that or buy the um, non-independent um, type products. So yeah, it, that there's always going to be um, a pricing uh, role at play um, that, that sort of determines what people buy. Yeah, and linked into that, I think the, the most interesting one for me was how, as a group, we seem to have nailed how much of the the cost of a slab is is excise or tax. Um, I'd be keen to see, you know, four or five years ago, I think people thought craft beer is too expensive, not, gee, we pay a lot of excise on our beer. Um, this year, point four was the consumers have a strong concept of the taxes that go into the price of beer. In fact, we we overestimated it by by a dollar seventy as a as an average. Um, so you listed the twenty six dollars ninety, I think it was, um, as the the actual tax. It's pretty interesting. So in the survey, we, we put forward we said um, on a five um, percent alcohol case of beer that costs eighty dollars. How much tax do you think um, is in it that includes both the excise and GST? Overall, the, the, the average kind of price that, that people estimated was $28.60, um, and the actual tax is $26.90. So I, I was pretty amazed that, that people had such a clear idea of, of how much tax goes into to the price of yeah. the $80 yeah. case of beer. Has that, in, in inverted commas, has that improved over the... The, the three surveys? It's the first time that we've ever asked it. So it was, it was um, yeah, just trying to understand, is there really a, a true understanding of, of the tax yeah, that go um, that, that, one, that one actually like pleasantly impressed me because like, I, I would have a guess that five years ago you would have got a very broad spread um, and, and probably unders rather than you know dollar seventy over in, in terms of uh, most, most of the guesses. So I think that's a... Yeah. Um, whether or not, look, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back without dislocating our rotator cuff. Um, but I guess places like Brews News um, have probably brought that more to the fore, just how much we are paying um, as, a, as a country in excise, you know, proudly being the, the highest tax-paying country in the world when it comes to beer. I think we might be first or second behind either Liechtenstein or Switzerland, one of those two. Yeah, so well done, I, us. I don't... <laughs> yeah, well, it's well done us for, for estimating that, but... Um, I, I don't really think it's necessarily a badge of honour for the uh, the taxes that we pay for it. So, I mean, no, uh, no, the, ba- the badge of honour, Richard, is the fact that it doesn't stop us from from um, from beer being, you know, <laughs> the number one alcoholic beverage of choice. We, we go, okay, yeah. we're paying a heap more tax than anyone else in the world, but we still spend, we still pay it. Yeah, and I, I think that just shows the passion of of, of people that drink craft beer. Um, but yeah, you think about alcohol across the board, really, and, and we are a huge. Um, we pay a lot of taxes and excise on it. Um, so yeah, it would be something that would be fantastic to see change over the years, especially considering that that craft beer is a, a thriving industry and it actually is quite a um, it employs quite a few people for for every dollar that that's put through it. And yet that's one of the, the, the big challenges. I saw yesterday someone sent me a, uh, a photo of a 30-pack of, what was it called, Southern Mill uh, Lager, um, 3.5%. Uh, the 30-pack was uh, 19.99. Um, wow. So when $12 of that is 
excise, uh, you're sort of thinking, geez, how do they import it? It's a Vietnamese uh, blend. But anyway, that's uh, a, a bigger issues. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was, I, I agree with you, Prof. It was fascinating that uh, the respondents were so closely able to identify how much excise goes into a beer. Moving on. Now, the other, actually, something that surprised me a little bit, or maybe didn't surprise me, was the New South Wales Container Deposit Scheme. Do you want to talk us through those results, Richard? Yeah, sure. So, uh, the New South Wales Container Deposit Scheme that was uh, launched in December last year, um, and it's uh, kind of similar to the the South Australian uh, Container Deposit Scheme, basically, uh, where consumers get money back for um, taking their... um, it has to be in New South Wales uncrushed and undamaged bottles and cans to a um, collection point. So they call it the return and end system um, in New South Wales. Um, and the so the scheme was put in place. It meant that the price of um, beer uh, and other uh, drinks, so Coke uh, and other things, water, um, all went up by a couple of cents in New South Wales. But the idea was that consumers then could get it back by taking their their, their cans and bottles to, to a collection point. The other thing that that I guess that was different between New South Wales versus South Australia is that brewers actually have to pay in advance for the um, scheme, so that, that they have to estimate how much they're going to sell and say, okay, we actually need to pay whatever it may be, ten thousand dollars to the um, container deposit scheme for. The, in advance for the product that we're going to sell to then both pay for the system and then um, to give money back to consumers. So it had been going for, what are we now, about nine months in. Um, and what we've found so far is that there's just 17% that are actually always taking their bottles and cans to a collection point. And that compares to 64% in uh, South Australia. And the main reason is that most are just putting their... Uh, bottles and cans and the curbside recycling. So curbside recycling is well established in, in New South Wales. It's been going for a long time. People are just really familiar with it. Yeah. Well, it also it also it's... works, Richard. I think that's probably the main point. The uncrushed bit, just as a, as a Victorian, because we, we don't have it down here, but is that because it needs to have a barcode to read or something? Or like, what, uh, why can't you crush it? Because it's the same weight when you crush it. So every barcode needs to be registered with the container deposit scheme. Um, so in South Australia, all they say is that you have to be able to um, read the thing that says um, five cent refund or 10 cent refund um, when taken to a collection point. But because of the way that New South Wales um, does it, they actually have uh, what they call reverse uh, vending machines. And so it goes through these machines and has to be sort of scanned so that it can identify, okay, this, this is who created this product and and so it works out their whole system for ha- how breweries are charged and everything. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's the reason behind the uncrushed part. What to make of that, I don't know whether it's only just come into New South Wales and so, like, container, when uh, curbside recycling, I'm sure there was a... You know, a, a phase-in period for that, um, whether people will or whether just the ten, getting ten cents worth back um, isn't. But you know, my understanding of the container deposit scheme was it was meant to you know stop people from leaving rubbish in parks and those sorts of things. It was meant to stop the litter. Um, whereas because 
uh, curbside collection is very well established, but um, craft beer doesn't. I haven't been to too many parks where I've seen issues with craft beer. So, yeah, I, I think it seems like what's happened is they've kind of taxed a whole um, product. So beer generally, cider, um, soft drink, water, wine. That, that's a 750 ml bottle that they're um, excluded from this. But it, it seems like they've actually put a sort of imposition on these products just to try and reduce litter in the park. But means that everyone else is having to um, pay for for the, the the issue with people littering in the park. So uh, irrespective of whether you've littered in the park or not, um, you're having to, to pay a little bit more because of it. Mm. Moving on to, well, there's, a, there's a whole lot of uh, questions about packaging formats. One of the, the headline ones for me was, I was very surprised at the preference for cans versus bottles is that, 33% preferred bottles, uh, 30% preferred cans, and 36% had no preference. Um, talk us through that, because that that's something that I've spoken to a lot of craft beer reps from breweries that bottle only, and they say it's increasingly hard to get bottle shops to take bottles um, because cans are the thing. So I was really, really surprised to see that response. I think there still is a... Uh overall preference for bottles just because it, it's kind of where people have come from um, and for some that there still is that that thought that if you're drinking a can it's got the metallic taste and everything and um, so that which is obviously long gone because of that the, the liners that now go into beer but um, for some people that there is a um, perception that that cans are not as good a product um, and we see that so we actually have through our, our store and, and online, we, we sell a range of, of craft beer gifts. Um, and we often find that people, if we um, don't put um, bottles in some of our packs, people actually say, well, that th- this isn't as good a gift um, when I give it to my husband or, or friend or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there still is a bit of that. Um, but it's also that... Um, Preference for cans has, has increased quite a lot over the last few years. That, that's been driven from the likes of, of Pirate Life, um, Bolter, that, that have been these great breweries that are making great quality beer that, that are in cans. So um, I, I think we'll see cans continue to sort of rise over time. But at the end of the day, if, if people have no preferences, it, it's probably the ideal um, situation because it means that you can actually put your beer in either a bottle or a can. Uh, unless what we're seeing at the point of purchase as opposed to at the point of answering a questionnaire is that those 36 people who express no um, preference when they're confronted with making the choice in the shop, they're the ones that are opting for cans. So they may have no preference, but they're still buying cans, which seems to marry up with what we're hearing in, in trade. Ed, I mean, you, you guys have an online retail shop. Um, how are you guys... Do, do you, Are you able to marry their survey responses with what you're seeing um, in terms of purchasing through uh, through the site? Yeah, largely it, it's pretty reflective. So while cans has a slightly lower preference, um, I think there is more cans being brought and that, that's just generally because there's more breweries that are offering cans um, than I think bottles nowadays. So we, we put out our, our beer advent calendar each year um, and that contains... Um, so 25 different beers, and we try and do that as as 
um, pretty much all bottles. There's about three cans that go into it. Um, but this year, so um, we've found it really hard to actually find breweries that can do a big volume run um, of bottles. Um, and so for next year, we're kind of going, okay, what are we actually going to do? Are we going to keep it in bottles or are we going to go to cans just because all the other breweries have got their product in cans? Yeah, it's probably one of those things too, guys. That it, it, are the brewers following the trends, or uh, um, or reflecting, uh, sorry, creating the the trend, or are they re- simply reflecting it? Um, and I think probably ten years ago, cans were definitely associated with with mainstream beer, whereas you know the the distinctive brown 330 mil um, bottle was you know, identified as inverted commas craft. Um, mm. I think it's just one of those things that that'll, that'll change over time. Um, you know, once word gets out that, that you know, at, at the end of the day, it, as long as it's not masking the quality issue, uh, as long as good quality beer is going into a bottle or a can, you know, absolute, who cares? You know, good luck to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that, that, that cans are kind of, driven in the Australian market is just because it actually suits our lifestyle quite well as well. So if you think about the outdoors, you think about camping, you think about all these going for... Tinnies, tinnies, mate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're lightweight, they're easy to, to cool down really quickly. So, um, yeah, and you can fit a lot more of them in the same space. So there, there are definite um, sort of attractive elements of, of the can that are why people yeah. go to it. Yeah, um, when I when I when I listen to my um, recycling bin, my curbside recycling bin being uh, picked up and emptied, um, yeah, I certainly you can hear the difference uh, over the you know if I could have, could have recorded it you know regularly over the last five years, it's it's getting a lot tinnier now where it was a lot more glassy. <laughs> I, I can fit a lot more. I, I get a lot more room for all the rest of the family's recycling needs now because I can crush my cans down. <laughs> yeah, you can fit a lot more than you could bottles. That's one of the um, funny things about it is that you know my fridge is getting cannier as well but that's not because i've made the choice it's because um cans have enabled a lot of breweries that don't necessarily have a huge packaging um ambition to get the casual canners in you know the 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 mobile canners without investing in the 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 gear themselves but and, and whilst i take richard's point about all of the lifestyle benefits of cans um you know, as I've said on this podcast before, you know, there is still a real resistance um, to whenever I do corporate tastings and things like that, there is just something really inelegant and counterintuitive that comes from pouring, you know, the glugging of cans into a glass um, at the table, um, whereas uh, a bottle um, just has those, that, that slight uplift uh, um, in terms of perception. I've said it once, I'll say it yeah. again, Matt. It's just because you're doing it wrong. <laughs> tilt, the, tilt the can on the side I showed you I'll, I'll show you again later I'm going to put a video out on YouTube or something to show you how to pour from a can and get less glug than a bottle if we think about so wine uh, 10, 15 years ago that they, everything was cork um, and that there weren't the screw tops that they have nowadays so are cans just the, the, the screw top wine? Is that what it's coming to? I don't, know. I, I don't think that's a good analogy, though, because there, yeah, there, there was a whole lot of tradition in the cans, but then the pouring mechanism was still very much the same. You did lose that little bit of theatre at the table from you know having the wankers sniff the cork and um, tell you that everything mm. was fine when they had no clue. Um, but the, the, the pouring itself um, was very much the same. Cans do have that slight 
difference um, in in the way that they pour. But just even the you know the feel of them and the you know there's there's there is just that they are perfect for camping. But what's good on the mm. camping uh, doesn't necessarily go on the white tablecloth. But you know that, that, that's a minor thing and that's a preference. Um, I wonder where some of the bigger breweries that have the and we are seeing breweries increasingly um, when they've got scale have two lines so they can bottle and can um, and whether that is going to give them some advantages long term it's going to give them you know the ability to be in some of these places that don't necessarily want cans but that's one of those uh, things that we have to stare in our crystal ball and and see and we'll come back to now um attitudes to craft beer 94 percent believe the quality of craft beer in australia is improving and 85 percent are buying more australian craft and less international craft two interesting trends there yeah so it's i think it's a fantastic thing to see um and i think the, the top one, so the 94%, I um, think the quality of beer in Australia is improving. It's, it's similar numbers to last year, and I think it really is reflective of what we're seeing as a retailer. So the quality of Australian beer is just going up. Um, that there's We've now start, got beers that, that rival um, what's made in the US, and, and the, the best thing about it is that when we get it, we actually get it fresh. So if you get anything from the US, it's got two or three months um, that it's been travelling on the water to get to us. Um, and so it, it's something that we've definitely seen over the last little while is people have stopped or reducing buying their um, international um, craft beers in favour of, of Australian beer. Is that something that you're seeing uh, through the online store? Yeah, absolutely. Both online and in our um, shop front. Um, and yeah, so I think the quality of Australian beer has increased. And the other thing is that there has been so many more new releases and limited releases that are coming out. So every week now, we're seeing probably 20 to 30 new beers that we could be buying in um, that are from breweries putting out their, their special releases. Um, and, and so because there's so much new stuff that, that's just within Australia, people don't actually have to look beyond our border to, to get some amazing beer how much do you think it's consumers are becoming more accepting of australian beer there are more beers the quality of beer and how much is it that people are realizing that they're not getting always a great experience when they buy imported beers um i think it's probably a factor of both um yeah so like i say the, the freshest beer you're going to get from the u.s is going to be two or three months old um, if it's then been sitting around for a little while, it becomes sort of six months. Whereas the, the freshest beer you can get here, but we get um, stuff that, that's basically bottled or canned that day. So um, you, you can get super fresh beer and, and, and there is a difference in the flavour um, profile of a beer that is one day, one week old versus one that, that's three to six months old. Looking at 85% are frustrated when bars and restaurants don't have a good beer offering and 79% believe beer pairs better with food than wine. Um, that's one of the ones that I think sort of highlights the proclivities of the people that uh, reply to the survey because I, I really believe that if the market was seeing those sorts of numbers, um, there would be quite a lot of uh, consumer you know, voting with your dollars pressure on, on, on venues to get it in. Where, where do you sit on that yeah. one, uh, Rich? We were looking over the, just double checking all the data yesterday, um, and the, the um, 79% says beer pairs better with white food than wine should actually be 32%. So. Oh, 32%, <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, so I think that's probably a bit more accurate of the market type thing. And uh, I, I guess the, the the last one we'll um, touch on. Uh, there are some some great statistics about state by state uh, break up uh, breakdowns of bars and bottle shops and those sorts of things. But Bolter uh, number one, um, very much mirroring the um, uh, Gab's hottest one hundred. Yeah, so they've come a, a long way in a very short time. Uh, done really, really well. Um, and I think part of that is, is so with the likes of Pirate Life and Phil uh, having been taken over um, and people um, uh, wanting to support Australian craft and just the general amazing beers that Bolter put out, um, yeah, they've come to the fore very, very quick. So have done yeah, a fantastic result in a very short time. Anything else from you, Prof? No, look, I was just going to go to the um, the most contentious one, which, of course, um, trying to work out how Bruce News only got fourth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind being behind the crafty pint, but beer and brewer and beer advocate? <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, I, I think you've got to remember that you guys, are, um, the, the people that, that read you, that, that they really enjoy you, um, but it's, it isn't people that are kind of just that early stage craft but the people that read Bruce News they're really into their beers and really passionate about them so you do a damn good job oh thank you thank you for that mate yeah I was just being tongue in cheek and also we should point out that it's it's by usage so I mean I look realistically I probably use Crafty Pint more I'm the same if I want to find out a beer but that's where our side is a a little bit different and we look at, at an industry perspective uh, of things so yeah so and, and that's where they're two very complementary sites but um the the, the one thing that uh, I, I will throw in on a serious note about that um richard is there's a lot of engagement um in facebook groups did you think about including those in you know because uh you know i i think beer advocate isn't really a blog um it, it's more yep. of a um, review thing is there scope to include um, Facebook, or are their metrics just there to be seen because you know how many members they've got uh, very much in the in, 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 in the group itself? Uh, funnily enough, we do actually have some data on that. Um, it's just not, it hasn't been released in this, this first kind of run of, of the results, but it will be something that we'll be including at some stage as well. So, um, yeah, ha- haven't looked at it yet, um, but yeah, there, there's some pretty massive groups out there. So, like the Craft Beer Crew, I think, has got over 10,000 members in it now. So, um, yeah, Facebook is really um, a- having a, a role in, in helping people go on their sort of journey into the world of craft beer. Cool. Well, Richard, thank you very much. Congratulations again. And congratulations on uh, winning the marketing award for for the survey, which obviously, you know, this is a very important marketing tool for you guys. And, uh, you know, it, it gets your name out um, just by dint of it being so widely referenced uh, in, in an industry that is very devoid of, uh, you know, concrete facts or, you know, of this sort of data. Yeah, thanks very much. So, yeah, we've won uh, two awards so far. So we won uh, one in the US and then one... Um in Australia, so uh, the Online Retailer Industry Awards Best Marketing, um, and we're actually in the final for another one with the, uh, I think it's the National Retail Association as well, so fingers crossed we can take that one out as well. Well, congratulations, and thank you also for uh, sponsoring our uh, Letter of the Week. We don't, you know, I, I don't think we necessarily give you any greater 
you know, uh, softer treatment than anyone else, but uh, we do appreciate it. And I know our, our listeners um, do because when we announce a letter of the week and I'm a little bit slow in forwarding you the details, uh, I get letters saying, where's my uh, beer cartel craft beer, Australian craft beer six-pack? Um, and I've got one of those in my email at the moment. So you'll be getting a couple of uh, names through for the last couple of weeks as well, Richard. But no, it's great. It's great to have you guys on board. And uh, as uh, when, when anyone that we uh, work with for these sorts of things, if I ever am buying... Beer Online, Beer Cartel is uh, where cast and crew stay. Yeah, no, it sounds good and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we're always happy to support the industry and that, that's basically the ethos behind why, why we did the survey to begin with. And um, yeah, people like yourselves um, have a fantastic job in helping drive craft beer in Australia. Terrific. Well, all the best with the survey and uh, yeah, thank you for taking some time to take us through uh, a deeper dive into it. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Rich. And that was Richard Kelsey. If you haven't seen it already, you can find a link to the survey results in the show notes. And as always, you can let us know what you think. And if you're the letter of the week, Richard himself will send you a six pack of Australian craft beer. And we thank Beer Cartel for sponsoring our letter of the week. If you like the show, you can help us out by sponsoring the show yourself. Just a little bit of money, leaving a review on iTunes or letting us know what you think by email. We'll be back this Sunday night with our news of the week wrap, Brews Newsweek. Enjoy your week. Cheers.